following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Dab and Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sands fan. And Savory David McGraw. Uh, Bush League. Right out in the open there. That's good stuff. Hey, yeah, shout if, out, shout out. If there's one thing that I'm, that I definitely am not, it's willing to cower from the Bush Leagueness. I I appreciate the concern that people have for us, and we all do have jobs. We all are financially secure. all right this week we are going to run down the sun's last three games to start off the preseason and we're two and one right now how crazy is that but we got games against the wolves kings and blazers that we'll talk about follow us on twitter at sunny and phx pod same thing for instagram go on itunes leave us a five-star review and a comment and you will get a shout out on the show All right, the Timberwolves game, the opening game to the season. It was a home game for us, and the Suns showed out, got the victory 111-106. to So, before we start getting into stats or anything like that, what were the big takeaways from the game for you guys? Mitch, what was yours? Well, I mean, it's got to be DeAndre Ayton. He had 18 points and 13 rebounds, seven of those rebounds being offensive. He looked really good. He only played 21 minutes, and Carl uh, Anthony Towns played 19, so they weren't matched up against each other for a super long time. But it's super nice to to see Aiton come out and just impress right away. He really looked he looked like he knew what he was doing. And as good as he was last year, there were still a lot of times where he looked confused. We didn't see much of that, so... It was really nice to see Aiton have a good game in this one. Yeah, yeah, two blocks out of Aiton in this one was really nice to see. I could have sworn it was three, but the the box score shows two. And that's just him making sure he's in the right position. One was just a really nice play where he used his athleticism to swat one back out. But you could see that things are looking a little more comfortable for him. And there was one play that I picked out. It was on a fast break, and someone on the Timberwolves pulled a jumper in transition, and Aiton was already down underneath the hoop. And rather than just turning around looking up towards the rebound, he found Carl Anthony Towns, who was trailing the play, crashing the glass. He looked back and he found him. He boxed him out. Uh, Aiton didn't even get the rebound, but it didn't matter. Because it was just like it was a headsy play. We saw something like that from Aiton, and we didn't see a lot of that last year. Yeah, Aiton was awesome. I mean, just looking at numbers alone, they're just really promising. It looks, it it looks like he is putting it together. Like he like he's getting there, and it's there as you said, like getting down there for the rebound, not just turning his head and. Just some of the moves with um, 
with Rubio and and moving along that just in this preseason in general, I'm really excited for Aiden's second season. I mean, we also have a real point guard too. That yeah. makes all the difference. Ricky Rubio's first first preseason game with the Suns, but like it's just a night and day difference with him on the court. Right, and we saw that connection start to build a little bit between Aiton and Rubio. And right at the beginning of the game, everyone was a little worried, thinking that Aiton had a bit of a a case of the lens, some <laughs> butterfingers. He couldn't hold on to a pass that... And any pass that Rubio threw into him was just bouncing off of his hands. And a lot of us were pretty worried about that to start the game, but obviously things turned around a little bit. They're obviously forming some chemistry, but later in the game we saw two possessions back-to-back. One was a pick-and-roll alley-oop from Rubio to Aiton, and then the next time down, another pick-and-roll where Rubio found Aiton in a bit of a soft spot of the coverage, uh, dished it off to him, and Aiton put up a little bit of a floater, and it was four points within a minute of Rubio to Aiton, and those two possessions back-to-back, that is what really got me excited about the whole deal. Oh, I'm so ready for regular season games. And we haven't even got to the Portland game. No. Yeah, there's a a little bit of patting ourselves on the back and celebration we can have in that game. That was just, oh, it was incredible. I couldn't even believe I was watching it. Oh, I know. But another thing in the freezes went in. Holy cow! Yeah, another thing in the Minnesota game is rebounding. Like, we have guys who know how to rebound. Dario Sarge had seven rebounds. Like I said before, Aiton had thirteen rebounds. Shek Diallo had nine rebounds. Frank Kaminsky had four rebounds. Like our big guys can rebound. It's so nice. Right, and last year, aside from. Aiton and Holmes, you didn't know where all those other rebounds were really coming from. Most of the time they were coming from the other team. Right. Sure, we given up plenty of offensive rebounds. But we we out-rebounded Minnesota 49-42. to I don't know how many times we out-rebounded teams last year, but I would guess it's not very much. No, that's a really good sign, I'd say. And I mean, Carl Anthony Towns... 10 boards for him in this one, only two coming on the offensive end. That's a pretty good job. And you don't look at Towns like he's a big physical brawler underneath who's clearing out the lane to get rebounds. But, I mean, he's a seven-footer and athletic. He's going to grab some boards. But holding him to 10 while Aiton grabs 13, I I like to see that. Oh, yeah. And you talked on Frank, but I want to talk. My main takeaways were Frank and Ty Jerome. Uh, Oh, yeah. I just I love Frank Kaminsky. I'm really excited with what he's been doing in this preseason. Just in general, I think that he's going to do some good stuff for us. He's just going to be a positive player on the floor, even if he is, you know, a little slow. And 14 points, four rebounds off of his first game. And then Ty Jerome. I'm really excited for Ty Jerome. More so than Cameron Johnson. I know that everyone's been talking up Cameron Johnson and camp and all that kind of stuff. But... I think Ty Jerome is going to be big for us. He had 12 points, 4 assists, 1 rebound. Like, not crazy numbers, but first action, first action against NBA 
you know, level talent in quotes because it is preseason. But I, I'm really excited for Ty Jerome as our, our backup to Ricky Rubio or, you know, backup two or whatever you want to say that he's going to probably be. Oh, yeah. Well, and super efficient. That came on six for seven shooting. Yeah. Right. I think he made quite a few of those all in a row at one point, and I was like, is this guy going to miss a shot this game? This is crazy. This is a nice little debut that he's having. The one thing I was a little worried about seeing was the five turnovers from him in this game, but it feels like those were just the first game jitters, and I think he got that out of his system because he definitely cleaned things up in the next two. So, But, yeah, all in all, really a joy to watch him play. But through these three games, it seems like we're still leaning Carter a little bit when it comes to backup point guard minutes. So we'll have to see how that plays out in this last game of the preseason coming up and the, what, what eight days between the last preseason game and the opening night game or something like that. Yeah. So there's well, still this, time for those guys to figure it out. This jumps ahead a little bit, but Carter started in the Portland game on Saturday. Uh, when this comes out, it'll be the same day as the Denver game. But my guess is that Ty Jerome might have started that game. So just giving both of them an opportunity to get a look. But, I mean, Carter has not looked bad. He's clearly better on defense than offense. That's no question about that. But he's looked a lot better than I expected. Yeah, and Javon Carter, he was an older guy coming into the draft last year. He took a little bit to get accustomed to it, but he has more experience, and he has that that season of the NBA under his belt, it's, it wouldn't surprise me for Carter to get the bulk of those backup point guard minutes to start out the season. I just think that as Ty Jerome gets accustomed, he's going to be, he's going to force the issue. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about defense and like kind of having that mindset. And that also leans towards Carter, but I just think Ty Jerome and, just from these first couple preseason games, I think that he's going to definitely force the issue of playing time. Yeah. Yep, I think we all agree there. But the one thing from Carter, seven steals through these three preseason, preseason games so far. That's uh, He's pretty tenacious playing D. Oh, yeah. We got some long boys out there. when Because in the Portland game, we had Oubre, Bridges, and Carter all starting. Whew. And he's built like a house too. Yeah. He can uh he's not a small point guard. This is not Tyler Eulis. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Amen. All right, who else should we touch on from this one? Well, let's talk a little bit about Dario. Uh slow start in the first game. Only 4 points, but he grabbed 7 boards and an assist. So Obviously, we saw him kind of turn things on in the Trailblazers game. He had a nice one, but it was a bit of a slow start. But I'm not even upset about that because this dude hustles. He's going for rebounds. He's playing defense. He does a little bit of everything. And uh, I'll say the same thing about Ricky Rubio, too. They can have off nights shooting, 
but they do so many other things for you. They can keep you in the game or even win a game for you. Right, and he was one for five from the field, so it's not like he was heaving a bunch of stuff up. One for two from three, so he took two threes, made one of them. He, he's a smart player, so I imagine he probably knew he was a little bit off and didn't try to do too much because he has so many other things he can do. And he only played 17 minutes, so yeah, I'm not worried one bit. Yeah, slow, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to have these kind of nights from Dario, and it's just one of those things where he can he can affect the game in those other ways he will still go out there and rebound he will be able to make plays and rack up probably a couple more assists than that if he is playing a full like full minute load but uh it's it's fine because he's not going to be jacking up those shots and i feel like our big issue is we would have guys that would be playing that spot and they would have a much worse shooting percentage than Dario is right here and not nearly as many other accounting stats. I will take Dario Saric going 4-7-1 than Marquise Chris doing anything on our team. (laughs) That's a fair point. (laughs) And another thing, if Dario doesn't have it going, you can put in Frank Kaminsky. And we have that luxury now. We have two guys at every position. Which is crazy. And that's that's shown through the preseason here. Yeah, we have a lot of options. I mean, everyone on our team can shoot, except for Aiton, basically. And Ricky What kinda. about Diallo? Diallo, nah, Diallo yeah, shoot? Diallo can't shoot. And I mean, right. like, okay, Aiton can shoot, but just not threes. And Okobo. Okobo's not a great shooter either. But, like, everyone else can shoot. I would say our, our weakest position for shooting is the point guard, probably. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, Javon, he was bring, he towards the end of last season, he was getting hitting a more uh hitting it at a better percentage and yeah, Ricky is uh just a little bit below league average. And he's not a guy that you want just even threes. So between that, Carter, Okobo, like I would say that's probably our weakest position. And who knows how many if like Okobo pro- won't get like regular season minutes probably unless like it's really necessary. And and I still I think that Carter is going to fall to Ty Jerome. So I feel like that'll kind of start to level out and then we real, really will have some solid shooting. Yeah, point. well, and it's it's fine, you know? If our point guard can't shoot, who cares? The four other guys on the court can. So Yeah, exactly. This, we're good. It's the ideal it's the ideal situation to if like your one position is weaker at shooting, then it's okay because everyone else can shoot and even with Aiden out there you know, he's an athletic role man and he can also like hit a jump shot. So it's not like it's not like there's zero spacing. Right. So we talked about him a little bit, but let's touch on Rubio, his first game. We we talked about the connection that he's forming with Aiton already, and I mentioned that like Sarich, if he doesn't put up great shooting numbers, uh they're doing other things to help you win the game. 
And in this one, Ricky Rubio had 11 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1 steal while shooting 5 for 13. And, yeah, that 5 for 13, it doesn't bother me. There's so many other good things happening. And just the the way he was playing defense on Jeff Teague for the majority of this opening game, it it was just such a, a relief to see that happen. And I'm not saying Teague is a stud by any means, but... Uh, he's a pro basketball player. Rubio did a pretty solid job on him and made things difficult. I love Ricky Rubio so much. Like, I, he has these intangible things. Like, he just looks good out there. You know? You, you see him sitting on the bench and you go, hey, there's Ricky Rubio. And it's just like a welcomed thing. I don't really know how else to explain this, but it's comforting to know that Ricky Rubio is on your team. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and the one last guy that I think we need to touch on, and we did bring him up already, but Elio Kobo came in, I think it was for the last 13 minutes of the game. I don't know if he even had two runs in it. Yeah, he did, but he scored 13 points in 13 minutes while going 6 for 8 from the floor, and it seemed like he finally got his shot in there and he let everybody know that he can still do it. So it it was surprising seeing him coming in and doing that after we we saw Rubio, we saw Jerome, we saw Carter, and then Ellie comes in and does it just as well as those guys were that night. So that's a pretty deep position for us all of a sudden at point guard it's not bad I mean David said it well Akobo is not going to play much this year and that's fine and I know I'm beating a dead horse at this point but I'm just so glad that we don't have to talk about guys like Akobo for starting spots because last year this time we were we were like is Elliot Akobo going to start or is it going to be D'Anthony Melton, or is it going to be some guy that we pick up who's working at a Verizon kiosk in the mall, you know? You're ready to bet the house on a Kobo starting game one. and then I was, pretty hard, yeah. So. And I'm glad that we don't have to do that. Here, I'll bet you a million dollars that Ricky Rubio is our opening night starter. Oh, I, I'm not betting against <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I still... I. I still like Ellie. I still am hoping to see some limited minutes here and there and to, you know, get a feel and just let him develop and hear about good things about him in the G League because I still I still really like Ellie and I've liked what I've seen from him in this game, some of the stuff that we saw in Summer League where, like, he, like, came in just when, like, things were out of hand and it seemed like he was just, like, this calm presence then. Uh, was able to like put everything back in check and i i just i still have a lot of really high hopes for akobo and i'm still really excited for him even if this is just a, a development year for him we're able to kind of set back last year was supposed to be a development year it got four he got forced to play now we can kind of just get him to develop get him in for some limited minutes here and there and you know I'm just still, I'm really hopeful for him. 
Oh, and we have Devin Booker on our team. He scored 15 points, had four rebounds, and five assists. This is the longest we've ever gone into a pod. <laughs> I don't think we even said his name until right there. Am uh, I wrong? Did I, we? Yeah, no, you're right. That might be a new record. We'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah, Devin but, Booker yeah. is still really good. He can still do it. Thank you, next. That's right. And yeah, let's go to the next game, and we'll talk about the Suns and the Kings. And if I could pick one word to describe the Sacramento Kings, I think it would be disruptive. Those guys did so well on defense that we couldn't even break into our offensive sets, it seems like. Every ball was getting poked away. Everybody was in the passing lane. The Kings play great defense, and it was very apparent early on in this game and early on in this preseason. So uh, we finished with Booker for the Timberwolves game, and he was the one that led us in this Kings game. He had 18 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. So you could tell that Booker was up to the challenge in this one early. I think... uh, Heald and Fox, that young backcourt in Sacramento, kind of gets Booker riled up. I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks that, but I think Booker always brings it pretty hard against the Kings, and uh, if it weren't for him, this game would have been even uglier. Yeah, um, I want to talk about the ugliness of this game in a different way. It wasn't televised. It was really frustrating. The only way you could watch it was a jumbotron stream and no one wants to do that for a preseason game but it i amazes, did. <laughs> it amazes <laughs> me that in the year 2019 almost 2020 that we can't televise nba preseason games like how hard is this they were just they the NBA was afraid to show off the Rashawn Holmes revenge game. <laughs> so, I get it. Do you think we'll play like a tribute video for him when he comes back to Phoenix? Oh, a legend it'll left. Be like, of course we are. <laughs> it'll be a montage of his mom's tweets. I was going to say, yeah, it'll be the tweets home, over his like, uh, highlights, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Rashawn Holmes. I don't like him. Oh my! Now that he's gone, now that he's gone, you don't like him. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say, toward the end of last season, I didn't really like him as a son. Well, he shoved, he shoved Booker, and it was a flagrant. That was terrible. I don't know what it was, but uh, there was no arm extension or anything on Holmes's part. They were kind of fighting through a screen, and. Booker ran into Holmes, and Holmes didn't back down and let him know he was there, and Booker fell. Maybe even flopped. But they threw a flagrant at him for that, and it was kind of surprising. And he was having trouble with fouls anyways, being Holmes. He was playing hard. But that flagrant was a little, I don't know, even as the the homer that I am, I got to say that that wasn't a flagrant. Well, but Booker is a superstar. Yeah, he gets all those superstar calls now. It's crazy. <laughs> he shot four free throws in this game. Yeah, a real superstar getting to the line twice. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, this was a slow game for us. Uh, it definitely was a preseason game. 
really poor shooting night from three. We were six for 33. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of live by the three, die by the three kind of games. Because we'll see the live by the three example in the next one. This was a die by the three example. And again, like, guys aren't getting their regular minutes. Like, Booker played 24 minutes, which is probably more than expected. Bridges and Oubre played 19 minutes. Or Oubre had 19, Bridges played 15. And Oubre had just a terrible game. 0 for 9, he was minus 22. He had 8 points and they all came from the free throw line. Like, he just had an off night. And so did Bridges offensively. Well, Bridges didn't shoot quite as much, but... Four points. Those guys didn't have great games. Kaminsky only had two points. Ty Jerome had four points, one for six. Javon Carter had 16 points. You know when Javon Carter is scoring 16 points, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Are you saying Javon Carter is not going to be our second leading scorer this season? (laughs) I sure hope not. I actually want to see Javon Carter average 12 shots per game. I think this should be a regular thing. Please, no. The 2018-19 Suns would say, yeah, let's do that. That Oh, yeah. 18-19, that would have been a huge upgrade. (laughs) Oh, about Kelly, though, Suns Nation was calling for his head. His first minutes back in his first preseason game. And, yeah, 0 for 9, that's rough, but you got to love that he saw it wasn't working out for him, so he put his head down and he got fouled. He, he attacked the hoop, and that's how he got got things going. And it's evident looking down this box score that no one else was really getting much done. So uh, I, I applaud him for taking that into his hands. And, you know, Kelly Oubre is a bit of a vocal leader on this team, so it's nice to see him do something even when he goes 0 for 9 from the floor. Yeah, that's true. Well, and like Aiton, Aiton had 10 points and 3 rebounds in this game, so definitely a slow night for him, too. And Suns fans are very irrational, and I'm including myself in that, because I, you know, we we all do this, and I know I've overreacted about certain players or certain things, but it's like, one preseason game, everyone's like, we're 82-0, we're so good, and then, like, Aiton has... 10 and 3 and people are like, "Oh, maybe he shouldn't start. Maybe Baines needs to start." And I think Colin I think Aiton's scared of Bagley. Yeah. Oh I saw gosh. that on Reddit. That oh was pretty funny. Gosh. Like calm down. Like yeah, we're overreacting to the good stuff in preseason too, but like oh, we're going to be like Aiton's going to be fine. He had one bad preseason game. It obviously means that he sucks. Uh, <laughs> it, it is it is fun to see uh, lumping us in, but like fans of bad teams that like overreact or like go crazy, like everything, like we are like fighting for the championship spot, and like we have zero room for mistakes. When it's like, well, we're just fighting to win thirty games. <laughs> like it's just right. kind of it's always funny to see. We're not fighting for a playoff spot. We're fighting to not be the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait to rub that in all of my basketball friends' faces. We're not yeah. the worst anymore. The Grizzlies are worse than us now. Deal with it. They have Josh <laughs> Jackson now. Yeah. We won more and than their 25 G-League games. affiliate. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. 
All right, but yeah, this this game was a rough one for many purposes, and the Kings do play some solid defense. They have a bunch of guys flying around, a bunch of long boys, and they're going to be fun to watch again this year, even though I don't think they'll take much of a step forward, if any, compared to last year, but uh, they're a team that plays tough basketball, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and like we've said quite a few times, like, Hopefully the Suns can do what the Kings did last year in, like, the next couple years. I think that would be cool. For sure. All right. Now let's move it on to the most recent game, the spanking of the Trailblazers in Uh, Portland. It was nice. We pull off a win 134-118. to And in this game, we set a franchise record by making 24 three-pointers. 24 for 45 from downtown. That's 53%. That's what we did last night. Everybody was making it. I think, what, Diallo and uh, Tariq Owens were the only two to attempt a three and miss one. I don't know what those guys are doing shooting them up anyways, but I guess when your team's going 53%, you might as well give it a shot. But this was incredible. Just let's... Let's talk about all the nice gentlemen that hit some threes for us in this one. <laughs> yeah, is it warm in here or something? Because Ooh. I'm excited. Like, this game... Like, we looked like an NBA team for the first time in five years in this game. It was so nice. Ubre was on. He had 19 points. 3 for 5 from 3. 5 for 11. 6 for 6 from the free throw line. Bridges had 13 points. Bridges almost yammed it. Like hard that was, on like that three was guys. Amazing how he that one where he I think he blew by Lillard. Yeah. And then it skied off the back of the rim and then dropped back into the hoop. Yeah. It's still one in, but stuff. he he almost just like posterized like three Blazers players. That was awesome. But the guys I really, really want to talk about in this are Baines and Kaminsky. Because they were nailing threes. Well, Baines was two for five, but it seemed like he hit more than that. Kaminsky, I'll take that. That's forty percent from Baines. Yeah, Kaminsky was four for seven, though. It was awesome, and like these guys are both centers who are basically stretch centers, stretch fives who can also post up, and they can dribble. They can put the ball on the ground and dribble. And I want to talk bad about Rashawn Holmes some more. Rashawn Holmes could not do that. If Rashawn Holmes put the ball on the ground, it was like guaranteed he was going to lose it. Alex Len couldn't do that. We haven't had a guy who's been able to shoot and put the ball on the ground and be over six foot ten since like John Luer, who could kind of do that. Excuse so, you, Mirza Toledovich was maybe okay. Mirza could do that. Day. Yes. Mirza okay. was slow as molasses, though. <laughs> like he could dribble, but it was. It was like slow motion. I right. will not take this Mirza slander. I love Mirza. I love Mirza. But like I think all he, three of us could beat Mirza in a up and down sprint. <laughs> but Mirza wasn't a center. Like we've talked over and over about how Frank Kaminsky is actually a center who's playing out of position, but we have been like running him as a like a center basically, as a stretch five. And Baines can shoot too. Like, it's just so nice. And we have this thing. You've seen it all over Twitter. We talked about it before because Monty Williams has said it a million times. Point five, where as soon as you get the ball, you have 
half a second to decide if you're going to shoot, pass, or drive. And, like, Rashawn Holmes would not have been able to do .5, you know? Alex Len couldn't have done .5. A lot of these guys couldn't have done that. But Baines and Kaminsky can. They can pull up and shoot a three. Or they can take, even if it's just one dribble and then a pass, you know? It's so nice. I want to talk about Frank in that situation. That's an edit. (laughs) I want to talk about Frank in that situation particularly because there was a series I watched where he was just pretty much pick and popping all night. He does a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of that this year. But uh, runs a pick and pop, fades out to the three-point line, buries a three. Next time down, pick and pop again. It looks like he has minimal coverage on him it looks like he has a pretty solid look at the three but you could tell that as he was catching that ball he decided I'm not pulling this one and he takes one dribble in he makes the defense react to it and that just opens up so many more things and Frank being able to just do that is so great to see out of a seven footer that puts so much pressure on everyone everyone rotating on defense it's it's beautiful. Right, and that's why he had eight assists along yeah. with his 16 what? points. Yeah, what? six rebounds too, but eight assists. I love that Frank can get the ball at the top of the key three-point line, take one dribble in to draw a defender over, and make the right pass. And then one of the guys who he was making those passes to was Cam Johnson, who had 18 points, and he hit four threes. He was four for six from three. Cam Johnson looked awesome. Yeah. Frank Frank was doing the thing that it was always talked about. Um, you have to say the old Spurs now because that was like six years ago where it was all about giving up a good shot to get a better shot or get a good shot to get a great shot. And that's what Frank was doing. And having a guy that is a center and is able to be is smart enough to do that is awesome because that that one three you were saying like that would have been a good shot and that would have been fine and it didn't matter if make it or miss it like that was a good shot and instead like made the decision to open up so much more and it's amazing and you know what i everyone knows i love frank but i i can just talk about how great he is and how excited i am for him to be in a son's uniform all day okay. am i gonna be that guy I'm gonna be that guy, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna nitpick at Frank a little bit. No, don't you dare! We're moving on to Cam Johnson. I'm gonna do it, <laughs> Frank. When he's playing center, he's gonna get bodied a lot. Yeah, and especially is. like Whiteside really gave him some trouble. If Whiteside got any sort of good position under the rim, it was gonna be a dunk. If there was a rebound opportunity, and Frank didn't have that perfect box out position. Whiteside was probably grabbing it. So that's one thing I was a little bit worried about. And another thing is when he makes up his mind that he's going to shoot when he's close to the rim, it's like he goes back to those Wisconsin days and he's like, oh, easy bucket over the scrub. It's (laughs) not quite like that anymore. And I've seen a few possessions like that. But, I mean, you got to shoot your shot. You're coming off the bench. You're a respected member of this team. you got to put up your shots. So. I'm not griping about it, but eh, I'm griping a little bit. Uh, Just a little bit. Rude. uh, Whiteside would 
uh would be he can do that on like a lot of guys so that's not just a frank oh yeah yeah because <laughs> even though Whiteside is a bonehead and uh there are some issues with him like going up for blocks all the time in miami wanted to get rid of him as fast as possible like he is a huge dude that can just do that kind of stuff and uh you know honestly i want wisconsin frank so i'm just i just want him to do that every single game where you know he tries to go back to wisconsin frank so <laughs> i'm just all in if it works then great <laughs> no even if it doesn't work i still want it well he's smart enough to realize when it's working and when it's not i think yeah but another guy who we haven't said very much about at all is tyler johnson he had a great game he got 18 points six for nine shooting he had, he hit four threes four for six like that's really nice he's i mean I feel like Johnson is kind of inconsistent, but if we can get a game like this from him every once in a while, great. Both Johnsons were played really well against the Blazers. And yeah, both both of our Johnsons had big nights. <laughs> um, he, he, yeah, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, Tyler Johnson, I think, is really it's really easy for him to get uh, lost and forgotten about but he's still going to be a solid veteran and a solid player for us. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool that he had a good game, had 18 points, and, um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, trying to keep this uh, together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what a night. Oh, this was a great game. Oh, and, okay, how have we not said this yet? We destroyed the Blazers, who played all of their starters, except, uh, who, what starter did they not play? They had, uh, oh my gosh. So they started Lillard. Nurkic. Yeah, Nurkic. But they started. Hood didn't play, Gasol didn't play. Oh, and Tolliver. Yeah, so they started Lillard, McCollum, Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, Anthony Tolliver, and Hassan Whiteside. So. And Lillard and McCollum played 30 and 31 minutes, respectively. We didn't have Rubio, Booker, Ayton, or David Cromer. So, <laughs> we still destroyed. We destroyed these guys without our three best players and David Cromer. Yeah. You know, so, just a really, it's awesome. Just a really amazing night, and yeah, even without our... Arguably three best players. That's a that's a feat. And I saw this on Reddit. Our sons, Cam Johnson and Tyler Johnson, had pretty much identical stats. They both had 18 points. They were both six for nine from the floor. Nice. They were both four <laughs> for six from three. They both had. Oh, that's where it changes. Cam only had two rebounds. Tyler had three. But Scrub. That's they're also very both similar plus shooting minutes. Both plus and eight. I don't think we talked about Cam at all. He got thrown yeah. into the starting spot due to uh, Bridges and Ubre being out that first game, and has kind of slowly been building and building. And this game, it it all came together, and he was hot. He was hitting the shots. He was uh, playing some solid defense. He was getting out in transition. Uh, we, we got to see a little bit of everything, and we're deep. If yeah. Cam Johnson can 
play like an average rookie, an average eleventh pick in the NBA draft. I'm we're a deep team. Oh yeah. Also interesting to note that both of these guys wear t-shirts under their jerseys. Ah. I wonder if that has anything something to, to do it. with it. The similarities <laughs> don't end. Um, yeah. You know, if Cam Johnson plays like he was the best shooter in the draft and that doesn't even that doesn't slow down in the re- in the regular season, uh it's it's going to be worth the pick. If he's healthy, if he's just nailing those shots then uh, it's going to be great. It's He's going to have a nice role on this team. Yeah. And that stroke is so smooth. It looks so nice coming out of his hand. Mm-hmm. And there was a play in the... I, yeah, it was the Timberwolves game. He pulled a pull-up jumper. Pretty well contested. But... He put that shot up so quick. I didn't know his release was quite that quick. He didn't even make the shot, but it just looked so impressive and smooth. And it just really showed his size and his ability to get that jumper off. He's going to be a nice shooter in this league. And, you know, as much as a lot of people were really upset about the pick at number 11, I don't know. I. He's kind of wearing on me, at least, oh, yeah. after seeing him in these first three games. Oh, yeah. I saw someone on Twitter say, in two months, Zach Lowe is going to say, the Suns had a sneaky good draft. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm good with that. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's what we've got. So... Like we said, play the Nuggets on Monday, October 14th. That's the last game of the preseason. So we will talk about that next week, and then we'll be getting into regular season. First game of the regular season is against the Kings. It's at home here in Phoenix, October 23rd. So until then, we will wrap up with our non-sports-related section. And this weekend... I did nothing for the first time in a very long time. I've been insanely busy, but it was really nice to just have a relaxing weekend. So what is your favorite thing to do on a lazy weekend? Lazy weekend? If it's if it's just going to be me being selfish, it's all about the computer games or... Diving into one of those YouTube rabbit holes and maybe finding something new. And I I like to educate myself while I'm watching YouTube videos. So I try to find something, something new, something fun to learn, that type of thing. But, you know, I uh, have been a big fan of the game RimWorld. I've talked about it on the podcast here 20 to 30 times probably. (laughs) At a Um, minimum. Yeah, and this might shock you guys. I can't even remember if I texted you this, but I fired up RimWorld this weekend, actually, for the first time in nine months. Ooh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, I thought you guys would be uh, kind of impressed. I'm a little worried. shocked. I mean, everything's good. I still got the skill. I'm still great at what I do (laughs) on the RimWorld. But... uh, yeah, that, that's uh, 
That's what I like to do. Just play some vids. And it's got to be, it can't be multiplayer. I don't want to, I don't want to mess around with other people and be on someone else's schedule. I want to play at my own pace mm -hmm. and just take it nice and easy. Yep. All right. Savory boy. So my favorite thing to do on a lazy weekend is just binge and just whatever it may be, but some show, just sit down and watch a whole season of something and just relax. It's uh, It's been a great weekend activity, whether it's watching uh, the, the wife and I have been, uh, I've been getting caught up on American Horror Story that I hadn't watched really ever. Uh, and by really ever, I mean ever. And um, we were like, whether it's watching a full season of that or um, watching a whole series because there was only like one or two seasons or starting a new one. The That's one of my favorite just weekend activities is just to sit down, do that, make some food at home and just maybe not even get out of whatever I was wearing like night before, like just put the same clothes on and just sit around the house and relax man yeah. when when you said binge i thought you were gonna say something like a hard drug or <laughs> some, or like some ciders or like fast food or something you know something like that but no nope. it was just the tv show we're all good tv shows and most of the time vegetarian food yeah and i i like the the binge thing I like it, but I have a hard time with that because I just fall asleep way too easy. So, for me, I think my favorite part is just going to sleep and not setting an alarm. Being able to wake up and, like, not get out of bed right away and have a million things to do. Like, I my time is spread very thin and over a bunch of different things. So... When I don't have to wake up early in the morning, that's so nice. And I, I'm i a fan of laying in bed even while I'm awake. I'll lay there for like an hour sometimes and just listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video on my phone. Or sometimes I'll read a book or sometimes I'll just lay there and ponder life, you know. So, do you sleep in nowadays when you get that chance? Or Ugh. are you too programmed to, is it like a 8 o'clock type thing at the yeah, latest? Yeah, I can't sleep past 9. Actually, funny story. Friday night I went to bed later than usual. And I woke up Saturday morning and I had, I had something that I was going to do at 1 p.m. And I remember I woke up a little bit frantically... I was like, oh my gosh, I slept in so much, it's bright out, like, oh my gosh. And I looked at the clock thinking, it's probably 11, and it was 8.30. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is great. But yeah, 8.30, 9, that's about the latest I can sleep anymore. I feel that. I'm sadly in the same boat. I don't. I don't really enjoy it. I wish I could sleep till noon, like I could in the back in the day. Yeah, back in the day for sure. But no. But then, know. like nowadays, it's like that's half. You you waste half the day. Like that's You're what right. my dad used to say to me. And now, now I'm getting old. <laughs> it's I'm real. Like, yeah, that really does waste half the day. It does. Yeah. Well, and when you get used to waking up early and waking up at the same time every day. It's harder on the weekends, but that's where naps come in. I'll take a nice sure. little nap 
30 minutes, maybe not nape. even intentional. Take Yeah, take a little nape. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that issue. Um, I can, If I wake up during the weekend, I'll just go straight back to sleep. Be like, ah, oh, I've got time. Mitch is one of those. Mitch is one of those dad nappers, though. Like he can. uh, (laughs) Yes, I am. He lives for that. Just that moment where he can get a little shut eye, and it's just out. I mean, during the week, any time that I get to sit down, I'll fall asleep. (laughs) Like I'm not even kidding. I've got like, I've got. It's hard for me to watch TV shows because I'll fall asleep. It takes me five minutes. I'll be out. It runs in the family, though. <laughs> the Krumpetiches are full of heavy sleepers. That's right. All right. And with that, I can't think of a better way to end the show. <laughs> we thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to check us out on social media at Sunny in PHX Pod. That's Twitter and Instagram. Uh, one more game of the preseason and then. About a week break before we get into the regular season. We're all looking forward to that. So again, thanks for tuning in. The following we'll see you next time. Is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix too. 52.